and call Andrew Malcolm back up. Uh, just a word or two about next week. Um, next week is our last session before Christmas, and so John Harding of the Religious Department is speaking on um, how Buddhism relates to, to uh, Christmas in Canada and uh, how how they how they see the uh, the circus of Christmas. So I, I look forward to that <coughs> uh, Christmas from a Buddha through a Buddhist lens. Uh, so we'll call Andrew back forward and. Um, invite you to find your way to the mic over there and we'll talk about the future of Lethbridge. already wrecking the place. Andrew, I am so proud to see one of the outstanding alumni of the University of Lethbridge Urban and Regional Studies program standing up at the podium. Thank you very much. I enjoyed your talk. My name is Ian McLaughlin, Professor of uh, Emeritus of Geography and, and, and for many years Coordinator of Urban and Regional Studies at the University. So. Uh, I, I enjoyed your talk, uh, and I enjoyed the uh, innovative ways that uh, our uh, planning and, and development uh, practitioners at the city are encouraging uh, public participation and involvement and engagement in a planning process that, that gains its whole sense of legitimacy from uh, engaging the public. The one. Uh, uh, a point I, I wanted to make about about hitting this magic round number of 100,000 people is that one of the uh, status uh, changes upon reaching this will be that Lethbridge could become a census metropolitan area, uh, which is a uh, a creation of Statistics Canada, and once you become a census metropolitan area, Calgary is one, Edmonton is one, Lethbridge would become the third census metropolitan area in the province. But once it attains that status, then it becomes the object of a series of new <coughs> data collection initiatives. So for example, uh, if you want to know the unemployment rate in Lethbridge right now, well. We don't know that. We have one for Alberta. I, we I, have I, one for Calgary. We have me, one for Edmonton. Excuse me. I'm going to ask you to be a yep. little bit briefer Speed it up. to get okay. to your question. Uh, so we don't have a consumer price index for Lethbridge. We have one for Calgary. We have one for Edmonton. So uh, hitting 100,000 is going to make a, a number of new federal and provincial government programs available to us. I wonder if you could speculate on some of the benefits of hitting this round 100,000 uh, target. Thanks. Perfect. Thank you, uh, Ian. And this is a nice uh, change in roles of me presenting to you, I guess. So, uh, yeah, I guess we haven't, as a city, at least in uh, the Planning Development Department, um, looked too far into what that means, uh, the 100,000 mark means in, in that context. However, um, the population of 100,000 does allow us to put us into kind of a, a new realm of possibility, especially when it comes to grant funding, attracting new business, attracting new um, probably programs to our community. 
um, especially because we're probably going to about to change to become the third largest city in this in the province as Red Deer actually their last census showed that they were decreasing in population so um, I think it's all kind of tied together but I think it all leads to opportunity whether that's from a, a federal um, kind of invest, uh, investments, provincial investments, or just as an attractive place for people to come. So that's the best um, kind of answer I can do for that right now. Uh, it may be something that we should be looking uh, closer to um, as this milestone is coming up fairly quickly. Hi, my name is uh, Knut Peterson. Thanks for coming today, Andrew, taking time out from uh, coaching soccer. <laughs> uh, Going through the uh, SACPA archives, I came across a flyer back in the late 70s, early 80s, I think it was, where Lethbridge was going to be at 100,000 by now. Long, I mean, 2000, I think they were talking 2000, that we were going to be at 100,000. <coughs> so uh, obviously there was some uh, uh, something went wrong in that prediction. What do you What do you think about the economic, you know, conditions uh, tend to put a break on uh, the size of how how cities grow, how fast they grow, and all that kind of stuff? Can you uh, give us a little bit of insight into where you how you arrive at all these uh, numbers that you think will happen? Yeah, so uh, population forecasting is a, is a complicated and uh, not always correct uh, art, um, especially going back. I mean, economic conditions can change. Uh, if you look at that, uh, kind of just how Lethbridge has grown, we've historically been very slow and steady. So if you go back all the way to the 50s, with the exception of the odd little boom, uh, it's essentially been 2% growth the whole way through. So we don't really have the boom and bust cycles within population and in our economy, um, like places like maybe Fort McMurray or Red Deer, Calgary. Uh, we have been slow and steady, and that's attributed to the diversified economy that we have here in Lethbridge. Um, we have agriculture, we have education, we have technology, we have arts and culture, we have a little bit of everything. So I think um, going forward, I think we're not really anticipating too many major changes, just continuing steady growth uh, as we've seen. Um, I think that's actually works to our benefit because it's easier to plan when you can uh, kind of anticipate where you're going to go a little bit uh, better. Obviously, cities like Calgary that went through, uh, they doubled their population in just a few uh, decades, essentially, and that uh, has extreme uh, ramifications for planning and for infrastructure provision. So I think we're in uh, good hands here in Lethbridge that we are growing, but it's uh, somewhat slow and steady. Thank you very much, Andrew, for the wonderful presentation. And uh, this is a privilege to hear something from the city uh, like that. Thank you very much. You're uh, I, oh, Lance. Lance Chong, uh, I live on the west side. Uh, I have an observation and maybe follow up by a little suggestion here. Because 100K, 100,000 conversation, uh, imagination drive to me is a lot of noise. And uh, what if? the effectiveness of the conversation. Maybe one at a time or the 100K will be all together. That probably will make a difference, right? You want somebody to talk and somebody will listen. And also, how to guarantee the important conversations will be heard by the all 100K people. 
So would it be an interesting idea to, not officially, but subconsciously, we know the 100K conversation means 100K communication. And also, we need to evaluate the importance of the topic and also all those contents. So that is also a 100K education. So just a thought. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. That's a good uh, kind of thought to take back. And I will make that suggestion that it is not just conversations. It's, uh, it's 100,000 ideas. It's 100,000 uh, opportunities for education. It's, it's 100,000 um, opportunities. And I think uh, the whole idea is to get people thinking outside the box of what this means for individuals, families, and our city as a whole. So I think um, more than anything, it's an opportunity to have a discussion and to think about something differently. Bev Mundell-Atherstone, thank you so much, Andrew, for being here. And I have to thank all of our participants today coming out on a very cold day. We haven't had a cold day for, like this for a while. <clears throat> Um, you mentioned a couple of things. Um, I, I really laud the city for taking the long vision. That's one of the things that we really need. And for having a four-year window of opportunity for people to respond. Some people heard about the 100K um, conversation at the city hall, and but didn't see the placards, you know, the lights on the um, on hoop up. So I would suggest you get things out a couple of days early prior to the next one. Also, you mentioned um, uh, you mentioned a little bit about local local contracts. Uh, you know, we'd like to see contracts for changes in the city for infrastructure going locally. I hate it when I get open up the paper and it's the contract has gone to someone in Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Timbuktu. It should be local. So please bring that back. And yesterday, um, my husband and I were watching the Knowledge Network, which we wish we could get from BC in. Um, regular TV on Lethbridge. Anyway, they were. It was a program from the National Geographic on China, and you know, a hundred thousand wouldn't even be a village. It wouldn't even be a dot in in China. I mean, their their small villages are a million people, and their larger villages are you know, um, ten million. So, um, but they are able to do fabulous things to f for the environment, such as having riparian landscape down the rivers right down the sides of the rivers. And that is one of the things I would really like us to think about in terms of our water, is to have riparian landscape on both sides of the river, whether it's canals or channels, but riparian landscape to clean our water because there are many things that are not, that are in the water that are not being cleaned, such as antibiotics, uh, hormones, and antidepressants. Your comment? Uh, thank you, I think, um a big comment is yes, I mean, 100,000 is a, uh, you know, a big city or an average sized city for uh, Alberta. It's all about the context. So a lot of the work we are doing, I shared with our table here over lunch, is what is Lethbridge? So, um, you know, we're not Calgary, we're not Tabor, we're Lethbridge. And so understanding what this milestone means for us is a big piece of this, this um, initiative. Um, for water um, and the environment, these are two huge uh, portions of our discussion that will go into the MDP. Um, our current MDP has uh, quite a bit of information about protecting the, uh, the river valley, but it doesn't have a whole lot of uh, tangible things for water quality or water quantity. So those are two uh, very important things that we would like to have a uh, feature. And the more that, whether it's through a kitchen table conversation 
or posing a question in a forum like this, the more that water and issues similar to water come up, the more we can focus on going forward. So, uh, My name is Van Christou. <clears throat> Thank you, Andrew, for a brilliant and uh, well-delivered address, particularly on the subject that uh, is so important to all of us. Um, all of, I, I was interested in seeing the figures that you got from the crowd about how many people have lived here for how long. Um, and I think that all of us who have lived here for 30 years can say that we're living in the best city in the world. Uh, you, you can't live in a better place than Lethbridge. Um, but that's because a lot of people in the past have dedicated themselves to emphasizing the quality of life within the community. So I'm really glad to see your initiative uh, to working to educate young people to, to that, uh, to an understanding of the fact that it's the best place in the world to live uh, is what we have to work on. And uh, my, rather than ask you a question, I'd, I'd like you just to talk more about isn't quality of life in your community the most important thing that we have to keep emphasizing? Well, I think it would probably be not my place to say whether or not um, quality of life is the most important thing for Lethbridge. I think that's for Lethbridge to decide. Um, although quality of life is a huge component of, of who is, what a city is and why people come to a city. So as you mentioned, um, there's a reason why almost 80% of this room has been here for so long. And that is because there's something in this city that is keeping people here. And that has got to be tied to the quality of life. Um, and simply, there is probably nothing unless you have an extremely high-paying job that would keep you here uh, and not, you not move somewhere else. Um, tied to that too is through our conversations, the amount of conversations I've had with people who have left Lethbridge and have come back. Um, so I think quality of life in Lethbridge, as you mentioned, has been a highlight and it's important that we capture um, and maintain that, potentially improve that going forward as well. Thank you. Ruth Alzinga, um, thank you, Andrew, for your talk. I should just say a couple of things here. I've been in Lethbridge for over 60 years, and I served on two terms on council when you were probably in preschool and, uh, and grade school. <laughs> and uh, the, thing, the thing that I would like to say also is relative to the planning, which takes place, and of course, you're a big part today. I'm going to give a kudo to the Gang of Five back in 89, when we chose not to build, to have a waxy body plant, where we now have an incredible tax base with River Ridge and all of the businesses in that neck of the woods. But that's not my question. That's just a kudo from the past. Um, I wanted to ask you, how much do you take into consideration in this kind of planning a second bridge, which has been spoken of in, for infinity? And it is so greatly needed. I live off of Scenic, well, Scenic Drive is behind me on the west. And it is incredible, the traffic. And the other day, with this terrible snowstorm, there was backup on Whoop Up Drive. So we know that we have to get a second bridge. And we want, I'd love to know where you, where you are on that planning. And there have been some updates, but I'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so. I hesitate to comment too much on the third bridge because it's a, it's a rabbit hole I don't want to go down too much. However, I will talk about uh, just kind of the hierarchy. So obviously the third bridge being built would be an outcome. It's at the bottom of this hierarchy. And um, 
is, you know, you can, you can uh, argue till you're blue in the face whether it's needed now or it's needed in 10 years. The fact is, is that we are currently putting in place the steps to get there. So uh, there was a study done in 20, early 2000s that identified um, where this bridge should go. The city worked towards you know, getting the land for that corridor. That corridor is now in place. This is all planning to lead to a future outcome of a third bridge. Um, they did population projections, all the planning, and said this isn't needed for 25 years, and this was in 2009, I believe. So, uh, and then as you probably heard in the radio lately, um, it was presented to City Council at Finance Committee um, to start or put in the uh, budget ask to start the funding for the design of that project. So we're, that is the next step of planning. Once those di designs are in place, the city is now prepared for when the money becomes available to put that uh, infrastructure in motion. So I will not comment on the timeline. I still think you're probably, in my opinion, 10 years away from seeing anything, but you're starting to move down this hierarchy of planning, working towards a final outcome, such as something like a bridge. Uh, Andrew, thank you for coming today, and it's been a privilege to sit at the table with you. I'm Mary Shillington, and two things you talked about that I'd like you to share with the uh, total crowd. Uh, can I'm, I'm curious, I said one of the issues that we could have raised uh, was around environment and solar and, and, and uh, uh, those kind of things. And so you had a, uh, uh, one of the groups that you talked with was the builders. So I'd like to, you to share a little bit about what some of the outcomes from that were, the suggestions, and also some of the things further with the kids at the school and the responses you're getting from uh, teachers and classrooms. So if you could do those two things, thanks. Sure. So as, as I mentioned in the presentation, as part of the kitchen table conversations, we've been going around and, and offering uh, to facilitate and help out with these, having these conversations with the groups around the city. So one group that we did a very similar presentation to this too was the Canadian Home Builders Association. And so you had a group of individuals who are builders, developers, or in the building industry. Um, and they were have very rich conversations about primarily around growth and development in our city, but uh, the conversations around the environment. Um, and it's very interesting to see, um, and this is in kitchen table conversations on all of them, but you have people that are very like-minded on a number of things, and yet they won't see eye to eye on something like growth or development or how that should take place. But the conversation that stems from that maybe uh, disagreement or different opinions is what the really rich stuff, and you can not, either group isn't going to agree with the other at the end of the day, but they can start to see the value in each person's vision. Um, as for the students, uh, it's been an, an, actually a really good uh, experiment uh, the grade four, so they're about 10 years old. And so when you pose the question that we are planning for the city for when they're 27, their, their minds just explode. Um, but but I, I think it's amazing to see how things in the education, the changes in our educational um, programming have influenced them greatly. They are talking about alternative energy. They're talking about solar. They're talking about water. They're talking about wind energy which was probably the biggest surprise for me, is that that's where their values are. It's on the environment, it's on uh, the river valley, it's on energy, which is, you know, typically you would probably think it was the chocolate water fountain in the playground. These eight and nine-year-olds are talking about energy, you know, renewable energy sources. It's a, that, that's really the point that stuck with me through those discussions. 
my name is Frank Toth. I haven't answered or asked a question for some time. I'm one of the oldest residents in the community. I came here after I got out of the Air Force, and uh, I have uh, a lot of feeling for our second, third generation of kids that are being employed all over the Canada today, especially in Lethbridge, working on 20-hour weekly wages with no health care or anything else. I, you don't have too much to do with that. But I would suggest if you're looking for input that uh, you take a good look at Roast and Toast and Lethbridge Herald weekly and you'll get all the people's response that you're requesting. But anyway, I wouldn't take, it takes your life to drive to the west side now. It's already been asked and questioned. You take your life to go to the west side, even the best of weather conditions. Uh, and how long has been the dark glasses put on the council and yourself to get to this point of finally announcing a bridge will finally be be built. What's the population in West Lethbridge and, and, and Lethbridge proper? So the, the question, if I'm not, is about the population? Yeah. So right now the population of Lethbridge is about 97,000 within our city boundary, and the population of the west side, I believe, is about 35,000. So it's, it's, right now it's actually at almost a 33% split on all three sides of the city. So it's uh, very close. West, north, and south. West, north, and south, yeah. Uh, Lance Schoen again, and uh, I'd like to follow up the question from the previous gentleman there. Regarding the bridge, I think it's an example when short-term consideration, short-term thinking overrides long-term thinking. The city initially have budgeted to build a bridge much higher. That means much less curve, much safer in all conditions, but we decide to save our budget. So as a result, for decades, we suffer from this very steep slope. So maybe in the future we should plan in the long term instead of near term just for the money budget this year. Um, I have another thought regarding, thank you very much uh, for mentioning, uh, answering about the quality of life. I think that tied into the principle of democracy. 100,000 people, each one will have their own value. That means 100,000 different quality of life. How are we gonna satisfy that? I don't think so. That means, do we actually need a consensus? Or do we not all time need a consensus, right? So you want to accommodate individual choice. So that means the city should take the attitude, not tossing the question, what kind of lifestyle to the public, and then collect the majority vote. Because democracy not necessarily equal to majority rule. And also majority new rule does not equal to the best solution. So hopefully you can comment on that. I think, uh, and one of the things that I've noticed mostly, one of the biggest things from this uh, 100K conversation so far is the divide in Lethbridge. So the, the lack of consensus, uh, the lack of um, you know, the ability to decide on one thing or the other. And I think that is kind of the unique thing about planning is that we aren't, nobody's voting on whether you know, yes or no for planning. Planning is something that kind of takes the whole realm of the community and tries to 
broaden it and, and simplify it. And it's not particularly picking off any one little trait that someone may have. It's raising it up to a higher level that we can, you know, all agree on. So, I mean, it's something, and when I say all, I mean, not every single person, and it's not consensus, definitely not consensus, but the majority of people value. Um, so something like the environment, something like the environment is something that everybody more or less agrees is important. What the important, what is important about the environment is different for each person. So it's definitely a challenge, whether it's a community of say 10 people or a city of 100,000 people, you're never gonna get everyone on board with the same decision. Um, so uh, obviously consensus is impossible, but we are working our best to get the values of our community uh, that are expressed by the most people. Uh, represented, I guess. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your presentation. I'm Evertanis from the greater Lethbridge area, so I don't live in the city, but close to it. Has your long-range planning has an estimate on the traffic that will go over the four-lane bypass from north of Lethbridge between Coldale South? which has been in the planning for about nine years. How much will the traffic decline in Lethbridge when that bypass is finished? So I believe you're talking about the future Canamex uh, corridor, which is, I know it's in the works, but I, I honestly cannot answer your question. I'm not a transportation engineer. Um, I can take your, your question and uh, potentially provide you a a sidebar answer to that, but uh, I'm definitely not the one qualified to answer that one, so. Douglas Mitchell, <clears throat> I'm told not to speak too much Scottish and I'll try not to, but um, I've part participated in one of these discussions with a, a group here, SAGE, an environmental group, and it was uh, interesting, but it seemed to me a lot of the discussion was very parochial. People concerned about transportation, how we, when you get old, how you're gonna get around and all this kind of thing. Somebody else ranted about the fact that he had to go way downtown to get his food. And when he gets old and tired, as many of us are, how, what would, you, how, how would you solve that problem? The curious thing to me, and, and I'm a, I'm a uh, <laughs> a theatre buff, and I would like to see that advance. It's not been mentioned, but how much flexibility is there built into these plans? It seems to me that, uh, you know, council, with advice from the staff at the city, uh, make decisions, and uh, as time passes by, I think we may change our priorities. But uh, how much flexibility is there in the planning process? That's a very good question. So actually this slide that's up is a good slide to be on for that. So um, as you get higher up, the more flexibility that there is in a plan. So if you look at something like their municipal development plan, it is talking about the city vision. So it is a very high level and therefore very flexible. If you, I'd encourage everyone to read the, at least flip through the MDP, the municipal development plan, and take a look. The policies are very broad and they are not um, one over the other. So it'll say something like um, the community or city of Lethbridge values, rec and culture. 
City of Lethbridge values uh, sports and recreation. The City of Lethbridge values arts and culture. It doesn't, it's not written specific enough to give any real direction on that. However, as you move down throughout the plans, you become increasingly more specific and uh, inflexible, I guess, all the way down to a actual potentially facility or infrastructure type that is, is uh, set in stone for one purpose. So it just really depends on which uh, layer of the hierarchy you're at. Okay, we, we have, we'll take the final two questions here and, uh, and that will be our, our time. So uh, brief uh, on both sides. Bev Mundell-Atherstone, I'm back. <laughs> uh, I was quite struck with your responses from your um, question and answer periods with the urban planner, the, the developers in town, and the, the, student, the children. So the developers couldn't come to any kind of consensus, any kind of meeting of the, the minds and the children who are environmental. And it seems to me that when we look at the urban plans for Lethbridge, even in the long run, we're still looking at a car-based planning. When is the city going to start look at some, looking at another way of planning the city that is not the same old, same old car-run city? So when are we going to start looking at communities that are built in small centers where people can walk around and go to s different things and not have millions of cars with the big gaping garages he heading out. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, thank you. So I think the, the I mean, not the easiest question, the answer, but the answer that I'll provide is that uh, we understand that as a culture, we are moving slowly away from the car only culture. People are placing more value in cycling, they're placing more value in walking and the environments that are conducive to those. To say that in a, you know, a plan, a future plan that we are not going to have this, the facilities for cars is, is it unrealistic and that goes to, that's tied to who we are as Lethbridge. We are not, you know, downtown Vancouver. The fact that cars are maybe not pr the prime mode there um, does not reflect it here. However, within our planning, we start to build in pieces that will help contribute to a shift. And so you'll th see things like the cycling master plan taking place, things like the transit master plan taking place. You have, we have huge infrastructure changes within how we build our pathways and our connections with our sidewalks. These are all things that get reflected in our plans that will help move, make that shift away from the car. It's not gonna be quick and it's not gonna be uh, hard and fast, but it is a shift and it is happening. Um, Austin Fennell here, and thank you, Andrew, for your address. You've got quite an undertaking on your hands. Uh, first question, I expect that you're accountable to City Council. Yeah, yes, I am. <laughs> Second question, when does the Council engage what you are discovering? Do they have to wait for four years to hear from you? I can't imagine that. So they are uh, engaged in a number of different uh, venues. So they, all of our information that we collect is public. So they have access to that just as you have access to that. Um, we also, within a number of our projects, um, particularly at the 100K, we provide regular updates to either council directly through CIC. So if you do pay attention to when uh, community issues committee meetings are, you will see us at those um, quarterly. Also, um, we provide updates to count, uh, committees of council, so the Environment Committee, um, Community Design Committee, 
um, Historic Places Advisory Committee, we provide updates to these groups. Um, and then through also through our open houses. So uh, city council are members of public. They're, they attend these events just like anyone else and provide feedback to us. Um, of course, at the end of the day, um, with a plan such as the Municipal Development Plan, it's taken to them as a package deal and they make an approval on it. Um, but they are involved and they are listening to the public throughout the process. Okay, let's give Andrew a warm thank you.